The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. If you've ever been to Vimy Ridge, you know what a powerful place it is. And today, Vimy is in the news because April 9th marks Vimy Ridge Day. It's a day to commemorate the deaths and casualties of members of the Canadian Corps during the First World War Battle of Vimy Ridge. Historian and author of almost two dozen books, including Victory at Vimy, Ted Barris joins us now from Normandy, France. Hello, my friend. Hi, Jaylen. How are you, my dear? I am good. How are you doing? You must be tuckered. A lot of traveling going on right now. Yeah, but you're right. But it, And traveling does take a lot of energy out of you, but it compensates when you can go to places such as we did today. I'm leading a tour of two buses, um, students from an Ontario town where I live in Oxbridge. Uh, 47 of them have never been, most of them never been out of the country before. Oh. I've had a chance to visit Vimy Ridge. And and a second bus with many of their parents, because they have to keep the kids and the parents separated because it's the public education rules, the way that works. But what's fabulous is to watch these adults and especially these young students take in Vimy for the very first time. And it, it, it's just so overpowering for all of them. So you were at uh, Vimy Ridge earlier today. I know you've been uh, numerous times. I've been lucky enough to be there, I think, three times. And I've been there in the rain. I've been there in the blistering sun. And it doesn't matter which day you show up on. It is so incredibly powerful. For for my listeners who've, who've not been there and have only seen those pictures of that magnificent memorial, can you give them an idea of what it's like to drive down that 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 uh, road into the area where you where you see the monument for the first time sure and today was very much the way it was 102 years ago um because we arrived at vimy from the german what would have been the german side which meant we were coming up a fairly steep incline yeah. we couldn't see the monument because it was raining and foggy just as it was 102 years ago it was warmer today than it was on April the 9th, 1917, when the Canadians went over the top. But it, it's it's very odd because you are approaching the monument from the wrong side, for Canadians' sake, and then suddenly it looms out of the fog, almost as if it were a, a ship just coming out of the, the fog on, on a river or something, or on a lake, because it's massive. Mm-hmm. You're talking about two plinths, which tower 100 feet into the air each, and are made of, of limestone and marble, the gorgeous sculpture of uh, Walter Allward, created after the Great War and between 1923 and 1936 when it was opened, uh, to honor, obviously, Canadian participation in the war, but in particular, the 11,000 Canadians for whom there are no known graves. Mm -hmm. But it's now become a, a, a magnet for young people, as I witnessed today and I've seen before, and adults who maybe are so far from their history lessons of grade 7 and grade 12 or whatever, um, that this is this is history that's tangible. You touch that monument and it's electrifying mm-hmm. because it has that power. Well, and you see the names etched into the walls of it and, you know, how lucky these young people are to, to be there and be able to see it firsthand at a young age. And, you know, for those of us who had to wait until, you know, much later into our adulthood to see it, it's just something that I think can connect um, you know, when, when you can connect to history like that at a young age, I think that that does uh, great things to keep stories alive uh, for decades to come. And I know as a storyteller, you must feel the same way, Ted. 
Yeah, and, and uh, Jalen, you'll appreciate this probably more than most. We tend to get swept up in the grandness of it, yeah. of the massiveness of it. I just did a second ago when I was talking about how gorgeous it was, how big it is. But you're so right. The history really depends on the stories, and it's the stories of people. I think of the great Toronto star raconteur feature writer Gregory Clark, who was a prior to the Great War, was a cub reporter, a general assignment reporter, <laughs> and he asks his editor in 1915, 16, whether he can go down and cover the enlistment that's going on at a very, very busy Toronto enlistment office, a recruitment office. And his editor is a little afraid to send young Greg Clark to go because he fears he might lose him to the war effort. He might actually get recruited. And he says to Clark, he says, ah, you're too scrawny, they'll never take you, Clark. Go do the story. So he goes off. To the, to the recruitment office, and a very savvy recruitment officer uh, is sitting there going over Clark's you know, questions, and he looks up at him, and he plays right to his vanity. He says, Clark, you'd make great officer material. <laughs> <laughs> and he's immediately signed up, and away he goes. And who better to turn to for a historian when you want to know what happened in a moment such as the, the victory of Jimmy Ridge, but a man who was a reporter. Yeah. So he gets all the details right and he captures the emotion. And he writes in his memoirs on that very night, on this night, 102 years ago, he said in his diary, I felt my first full sense of nationhood huh. as Canada took the ridge. And it's very powerful when you read that and you realize that he was there. And that's why the story of the taking of the ridge is so important is that it really changed our country at a grassroots level. Uh, Ted Barris joining us uh, on the phone this afternoon from Normandy, France. He was at Vimy Ridge earlier today on this Vimy Ridge Day. April 9th, if you didn't know, is Vimy Ridge Day. You talk about that, and I think, Ted, when we've, we've uh, you know, talked in the past around, uh, you know, the 100th anniversary and that sort of thing, it's, you know, we, we hear oftentimes, it's, you know, the favorite line that is used is that, you know, it's the first time that, uh, everyone, they fought together, and, and when Canada, you know, became a nation, uh, is that the biggest significance of all of this? Well, it is in the sense of, of when you map out our history as a nation, that was a turning point, because for the first time at Vimy, the four divisions of the Canadian Army, the Canadian Expeditionary Force, were fighting together. You have 100,000 Canadians mm -hmm. who've been sort of scattered all over the Great War front, Western Front, for the better part of three years. And suddenly at Vimy, they're together and they've prepared this attack for three months. And all of that is really powerful. But I also think about what it meant to individual Canadians and, and, the, and the power they had to recognize the moment. I think of a woman whose story I cover in my book, Victory at Vimy, a woman who was an ambulance driver. She comes from Vancouver in 1916 to Britain after the Red Cross, both the Canadian and British Red Cross, turn her down. She's a driver. She's, she's one of the first women in Vancouver to have a driver's license in her own car. So she offers her services. Both the Red Crosses turn her down. She decides, I'm going to go anyway. So she pays her own passage on a ship to get to England. And she's working in the Toronto, or at least in the London office of the Canadian Army, handing out paychecks to Canadian soldiers in Britain on leave. And she finds out that Sam Hughes, the Minister of Militia and War, has come to London, and she seeks an interview with him to pitch herself as somebody who can drive ambulance. <laughs> so anyway, she goes up and she meets with Hughes, and he turns her down. No way a woman's going to be seen at the front. <laughs> well, something changes, and Hughes is very soon turfed out of office. 
and they decide that all the men who are driving ambulances behind the lines are better serving the war effort at the front. And suddenly those ambulance drivers seem to become vacant, and Grace McPherson gets her wish. And her very first night on duty is behind Vimy at the uh, hospitals in a top driving the wounded to the hospital. And she says... You know, it was it was a great moment for me to be able to say how I was saving lives in my ambulance work. It was great to be able to serve the Canadian Army, but she said she was most proud of the Canada patch on her shoulder. Yeah. Now, doesn't that speak volumes about sure who we are and who we were? You can read more about that story and so much more, of course, in Ted's book, Victory at Vimy. Vimy, uh, Ted has was in uh, at Vimy Ridge today and so pleased that he's taken the time with this time difference to, to join us this afternoon. Um, I wanted to ask you, because uh, I'm not sure we had a chance to talk about it last time, but it was um, last time you were in town, a, a woman came up to you, I think it was at Festival Place, to tell you a story that, uh, you know, right from here, from Sherwood Park, Edmonton, St. Albert area, from the capital region about that main one of the main uh, statues on Vimy Ridge and the connection oh that's a great story I'll try <laughs> to keep it short um, I was <laughs> as you know and I think you introduced me you yeah. I was speaking at festival place just in advance of the 100th anniversary um, I came to Sherwood Park and I was absolutely thrilled that tickets were just flying out the, the, from the the ticket desk the wicket and um, the, the front foyer of Festival Place was being festooned with artifacts from the Great War. There were maps and weapons and epaulettes and badges and cap, you know, all kinds of memorabilia from the war. And the place was really festooned in Great War atmosphere. And there was a sign hanging outside the front door of the Festival Place, sold out. That my talk that night was gone by noon, and I'm looking through the glass as these guys are setting up in the foyer, and a woman comes up to the door, and I see her shoulders slump, and she's recognizing that there might not be a chance she can get in. She comes through the door, and I went toward her, and I said, "Are you okay?" She said, "Well, I was hoping to speak with the gentleman who's going to be speaking tonight." I said, "You're speaking to him." <laughs> oh, and she said, "Don't move. Stay there for a second. I have a story for you." So she goes over to the ticket office, and of course the tickets are all gone, and she's kind of disappointed. She comes back over, and she sits down, and she said, my name is Rosemary Biggs, she mm-hmm. said. And I said, I have a story about a woman named Edna Jennings. And I said, oh, what's the story? And she said, well, Edna Jennings was a dancer in Britain during the latter stages, in the, in the 1920s. And she got work, and she long sought after work as a dancer professional in England. And she got this job, and she was on tour, and it was just wonderful. She was having a great time, and suddenly she came down with typhoid. And the doctors told her, go home, go to bed, or you die. Mm-hmm. So she went home, to, she leaves this wonderful job she's enjoying. She goes home, and she's resting in bed, and one of her dancing friends comes some weeks later, and she's got a magazine, and the magazine advertises that somebody in England is seeking women who can model for him. And this is quite legitimate. It's not lewd. This is <laughs> modeling going on. And he wants to see the shapes of women's body for, bodies for some artwork he's doing. So the woman who brought um, Edna the magazine said that um, the man had calipers to see whether my body shape was right, and my body shape was not right. So Edna said, I'm going to go. I'm going to see if whether my body shape is right. So she goes to this modeling session, and the man takes out the calipers. And again, she's not naked. She's simply getting, he's getting a sense of, of the, the shape of her body and her head. And he decides ultimately that Edna's body and face and head are exactly the size and shape he's looking for. It turns out it's Walter Allward mm-hmm. who's designing the great Vimy Monument 
creating the sculptures, including the famous Canada Bereft, Mother yes. Canada Mourning mm-hmm. statue. And it was based essentially on Edna Jennings' body. So I said, who is Edna Jennings to use, Rosemary? And she said, she was my aunt. Yep. So I said, you've got to get a ticket. We put her in the balcony <laughs> that night and was able to introduce her. And the thunderous applause. And I said, you know, the Vimy story, we just don't think we have it all in hand. There are new stories to tell. And hers was perfect example. Well, and you, you talk about, uh, you know, those connections. And I had just put a, a, a picture up of Mother Canada today on my Facebook page, if anyone's oh, listening, great. who's on. Because yeah, that, that story just resonates with me so much now because I had, I had met her as well. And, you know, when you start talking about connections, there there's, there's one connection. When you talk about the, the thousands upon thousands of, of young men who signed up across the country from here, you know, you look at the contribution from the Loyal Edmonton Regiment uh, at Vimy mm-hmm. Ridge. You look at the Princess, uh, Princess Patricia's, their contribution. I mean, th- there are so many strong ties to Alberta, to Edmonton, to Calgary. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I think everyone, if you if you didn't know about it, you could probably look into it and find someone in your family who has a story that that might connect back to the Great War. Absolutely. And when you realize that there were 100,000 Canadians there, uh, and, and Greg Clark, the man I mo- mentioned a moment ago, he mentioned in his diary, he said, when we were going up the ridge, he said, I looked to the left of me, and there were the men from the prairies. And I looked <laughs> to the right of me, and there were the men from the Maritimes. It really was a national story. Yeah. And so many of them come back to grassroots people. These were not regular soldiers, Jay Lenny. No. These were average Canadians who signed up. Many of them had very strong British roots um, relating back to some of them had been born in the British Isles and had just emigrated to Canada in the late 19th century. So when the war comes along, either they figure that they're going to go and save Mother England or this is a good way to get home for a while, participate in the war and see relatives and so on. So there are all these interesting, really interesting grassroots connections. None of these people were regular soldiers. They were average fishermen and laborers and farmers and business people and students and all of them and this is why part of some of the reasons the key to vimy working all of them were task oriented Mm -hmm. they weren't people were necessary necessarily you know with creased pants and smart salutes they understood what it was to get a job done and so for the three months leading up to the vimy attack they're preparing the ground they're digging subways they're uh, preparing a a creeping barrage they're uh, rehearsing the way to attack positions such as the germans had but not in a way that was simply following orders but taking practical examples of how to do this as a task and achieve it and who better than laborers and farmers (laughs) and students to understand how to get tasks done ted before i let you go and maybe you can go grab a a good french beer somewhere a glass of wine before (laughs) before you go to sleep um stay away from the calvados that stuff's trouble um that's right the juno the 75th of juno coming up i know you're doing some tours as well my father and my uncle are going to be there um, for oh, that great. as well. They're thrilled about it, but I saw that I think you're leading a tour again over there for the 75th. That's going to be uh, pretty powerful. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, these things tend to be um, like, you know, moths flocking to the light. Yeah. Um, when I was there for the 100th at Vimy, it was a mob scene, and yeah. it was, there were close to 30,000 people, and it was very difficult to move around. But, I, I, you know, that's the downside. That there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of crowd control and paranoia on the part of the uh, security officials. Yeah. But to be there in that atmosphere, and probably this time at uh, Juno Beach Center at uh, Corsell Mare on the coast, where we are now um, in June, it's going to be 
the last hurrah for any surviving D-Day veterans. I'm going to be taking one D-Day veteran with me on my tour. He was a a bomber pilot, and he flew missions over uh, Normandy leading up to and including June the 5th, 6th. So he's going to be with us. They are there, but they're few and far between. This may be the last time that you'll see them all together to acknowledge what happened there and, and Canada's role. Well, you know what? I, I I was there for the opening of the Juno Beach Center in 2003. Me too. And uh, you were there. And I, you know, it's it, interesting how our paths crossed so many years later. But I remember leaving, you know, leaving the beach uh, late that afternoon and the music was playing and, and just, you know, some of these, you know, guys and gals just staring out or, you know, maybe having a drink. Well, remember it was when, just they, so when powerful. they let the, the veterans go out on the beach by themselves? Yes. Just so incredible. Just so powerful. Yeah. Oh, Ted, you know what? Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I know it's been a long day for you and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much. Pleasure. We'll talk soon. I'll be back in September. I'm going to be speaking at Sherwood Park again on Friday, September the 13th about my new book about medics and medical personnel in wars since the U.S. Civil War right up to Afghanistan and Iraq. Well, you know what? It's going to be a date on this show that afternoon then, okay? Perfect. I okay. Love Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. That's Ted Barris joining us this afternoon. Uh, his website, uh, tedbarris.com, lots of stuff. You want to read more about Vimy Ridge. Uh, today being Vimy Ridge Day, you can check out his book. It's Victory at Vimy by Ted Barris. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.